Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Summer opening! I like it. Didn't have the earphones on. Didn't know where that came from. Is that new? Is that was that last week? Could I miss that? No, this is uh, as of July. We are oh. in uh, summer edition. Nice, good job, Jared. I was just I was still reading the rundown, which is always a good thing to do two minutes before the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jared waited until we had a solid thirty days of a hundred degree weather to yes. bust out our our summer uh, imaging. <laughs> That was very nice. Uh oh, what was that? I don't. Please do, update. Uh, is there a first bite today? No, oh, I didn't send it to you. I can read it if you want. It's All in the right, very cool. top of the rundown. No, no, I'm about, I'm going to play it. You go. Okay. The first bite. What conference will UNLV call home in five years? Pack four Mountain South. <laughs> That's the conference South. and the division. That's the conference and the division. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. You missed the show on Friday. I did. Where I was we not got, here. Uh, got into this, here. but on the West Coast over here, we have the Pac-12 losing two of its biggest members in its biggest city. The Mountain West exists. The Big Twelve might be menacingly poaching over there. What do you think happens here in the West? Well, I guess we should start maybe with what does the Pac-12 do? They say they're exploring expansion options. Does the Pac-12 expand, or do you think the Pac-12 falls apart? Well, uh, today, uh, reportedly, the Arizona schools, Colorado, and Utah are talking to the Big 12. They're meeting with the Big 12. So they're looking ahead to get the hell out of there, um, (laughs) and they're trying to uh, move like everyone else. If that happens... Uh, you what are you left with the Washington schools and the Oregon schools? That could totally fall apart. I'm not sure those four would be jacked up about here comes a bunch of Mountain West teams. But here's the thing. They might not have a choice, right? I mean, you you have to be wanted to go somewhere. And I understand kind of the Rocky Martin, right, Rocky Mountain feel for the Big 12. That's why uh, uh, Colorado, Utah, um, not as much the Arizona schools, but they're meeting with them today. So, if I'm the Oregon schools and Washington schools right now, I'm I'm worried. I'm 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 a little worried is that they might have to stick with it, and you know here we here comes the Mountain West. So, in that scenario, uh, wouldn't the Mountain West just take some of those schools? Well, instead? maybe they take them back. Yeah, and oh boy, could you see Oregon? I mean, as much money as Oregon has, like, I know. Look, I know the media rights deal was a lot of the reasons USC and UCLA left, and. Thanks a lot, Larry Scott, because he just completely ruined this thing for them, um, comparative to other conferences. But can you imagine if you're the Oregon schools and Washington schools and your only your only chance is to go back to the Mountain West, or not back to, but to the Mountain West and fall backwards? I mean, they would consider that a disaster. If you're if you're the Big Twelve, wouldn't you take Oregon before any of those other schools? I like, would. They're, they're I mean, far away, but wouldn't you just say, "All right, whatever, come on in"? Well, I mean. USC's tennis team is far away, and they're going to be driving. They're going to be flying southwest to Wisconsin. So I don't know if that matters anymore when it comes to this expansion business in terms of uh, flights and scheduling. So you're right. Of all those schools right now, I would think Oregon with the Nike money and what they have going for themselves up there would be the most attractive. 
But they're not in this meeting with the Big 12 today, which I found interesting. Now, again, it might have been these four schools asking the Big 12 for a meeting more so than the Big 12 asking them to come. But you're right. I mean, if I'm if I'm just looking at those schools, say, who do I want? I kind of want the Ducks. Yeah. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens in the Pac-12 because that's going to dictate what happens to the Mountain West. Because if the Pac-12 does, in fact, fall apart and a few teams go to the Big 12 and I mean, hell, the Big 10 might end up adding Oregon and Washington. Yeah, they, they might take out initially like that could happen at some point. But like if two, three, four schools end up leaving the Pac-12, I can't imagine the Pac-12 really stays together in any meaningful no. way. And now all of a sudden those schools become free agents. And now the Mountain West is pillaging what's left over. Because in all honesty, if you're the Mountain West, even if it's Oregon State and Washington, Washington State, State Pullman people, you're still adding those programs. Sure. I mean, th- absolutely. Those are going to help. Those are going to be good for your conference going into the future. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what exactly happens in the Pac-12 because that might simply dictate UNLV's future. Because the other side of this is if the current Pac-12 or the current Pac-12 minus the LA schools, if they stick together, right? If nobody leaves to the Big 12, nobody leaves to the Big 10, then surely the Pac-12 is going to add somebody. Mm-hmm. But the question then becomes, who do they add? Are they strong enough to go steal teams from the Big 12? Are they strong enough? There was a story in The Athletic about how uh, before they joined the Big 12, or before Houston joined the Big 12, Houston and TCU were the Pac-12's preferred expansion targets. Now, the Pac-12 decided not to expand, but maybe they go back after Houston and TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Like, there's other Big 12 schools that if the Pac-12 is strong enough, can they steal some Big 12 I schools? Don't, and I mean, you're going to leave the Big 12 at this point? I don't know. I, I don't know with the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. I don't know if I'd leave the Big Twelve, even if I'm. Te- I mean, if I'm Texas Tech and and the geographic uh, advantages you have there. I um, TCU also in Texas, Houston. I mean, Tyler, do you think they'd come out uh, west to be in this league? I feel like the current the current status of the Big Twelve is slightly better than the current status of the Pac Twelve, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's significant. And if you told me that. Like, if I'm Texas Tech, and all of a sudden I find out Houston and TCU are leaving the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12, I'm calling them up saying, hey, I want to come too. Because I think if the Big 12 loses any schools to the Pac-12, well, now the Pac-12 is in a better spot than the Big 12. But I I think, yes, I would prefer to be in the Big 12 if I was any of those schools, but it's not it's not a massive gap right now between what the Big 12 is and if what the If they Pac-12 all would is. go. Right, correct. So I... I don't know what happens. I don't know if there's somehow a merger of the Big 12 and the Pac-12. I don't know if that works. We just had the alliance between the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC or whatever it was. And that that fell apart because the Big 10 came over and poached schools. So I don't know exactly what happens. But let me ask it to you this way on UNLV standard. If the Pac-12 expands and they don't take any Big 12 schools, where does UNLV rank among their options? Okay, so you've got some schools listed here. Let's go one by one. San Diego State is by far the best of these. Better TV market, much better program overall. Uh, and, and you'd have someone on the West Coast with USC and UCLA. Even. So I think of the Mountain West schools, that's the most attractive. Boise, 
Not as good a TV market. I think UNLV's 40th and Boise's, I looked it up this morning, 106. Better football program, uh, better overall athletic program, top to bottom. I don't think Colorado State would move ahead of UNLV. I do, I'll do. i say this for UNLV. I think the addition of the medical school would help. They've got a law school. That's what the Pac-12 in the past has been about. Uh, not not that, you know, it's funny in some senses when you look at some of the schools. Well, they, you know, hammer the drum about academics, but that's what they do. Uh, kind of in a hilarious way. Um, but I think of the Mountain West schools, I don't know where you'd rank them. I'd rank San Diego State first. So I would too. San Diego State, I think, is no doubt about it, the number one option, especially because the Pac-12 lost USC and UCLA. Yeah. So they lost their Southern California schools. The next best option in Southern California is San Diego State. So I think they are far and away number one. I'm with you. Boise State's number two. The t- Here's the thing on the TV market. Yes, it matters, but we've had over a decade of television networks proving to us that they care about Boise State in a small market much more than they care about UNLV well, that's in true, a bigger sure. market. And you, so, and you think that most of it has to do with football? Oh, 100%. I mean, what is it? Uh, Fox and FS1 will not air a UNLV football game for the second straight year. Right. Like, there is a whole television network that has a deal with the Mountain West that just does not air UNLV football games. Boise State's been the number one option for uh, Fox and CBS and Mountain West television deals for years now. So, yes, they're not in a great TV market, but TV networks have shown they don't care about that. They want Boise State more than anything else. I would put UNLV third, though, behind those two, but I do so think I. there is a, a significant gap. I think it's the, if the Pac-12 decided we're adding two, it's those two, and, and UNLV's left out. UNLV's not getting to the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 decides to add more than two, I guess UNLV would get in. I think they'd be ahead of Colorado State. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter mention Fresno State. Fresno State, is it the California tie? I guess, but why the hell would they want right. Fresno? Like I, Well, especially if they I, get San Diego. Right. I can't quite figure out why they would want Fresno State. But I've seen that one mentioned. I'd have to guess UNLV's ahead of Fresno State. I would think they would be. I would go the opposite way if the Big 12 expands. I think Colorado State would be ahead of UNLV if they if it was the Big 12. Yeah, because regionally and geographically, yeah. of course. And they now, one caveat there, if the Big 12 gets Colorado back then I don't think Colorado right. State's as important. You don't need but with, Yeah, with Colorado not in the Big 12, Colorado State, to some degree, gives them back that state and that market. Not exactly in the same city there, but close enough that I think the Big 12 would prefer Colorado State over UNLV. Yeah. But Pac-12-wise, I'd have UNLV as the third best Mountain West school. So it all come down to how many schools does the Pac-12 expand by? I don't think there's any question in San Diego State and Boise State. When the Big East, you know, remember that Big East flirtation? Of those yeah. two schools, and also when you heard about Big 12 flirtations, those are the two schools you heard about. So those are by far the two options or the best options for all the reasons we just mentioned. And I'll agree with you that UNLV's third. How many, and, and you're right, I mean, I think the Pac-12 might look to poach uh, from bigger conferences before they get to the Mountain West schools. And if they can't do that and they want to stay together and no one, one takes the Oregon and no one takes any of those schools and they've got to expand – then the next best league, I think, to come to, at least with those top two schools in San Diego State and Boise State, would be the Mountain West. Yeah, given that the SEC stole Texas and Oklahoma, and then the Big Ten stole USC and UCLA, any of these conferences, like the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, 
your first look should be to other power conferences. Is there another power conference school they would want to leave? Because that's what the top two conferences have done. They've come in and stolen the best programs from other conferences. So if you're the Big 12 or the the Pac-12, or hell, if you're the ACC and you're aggressive, you're going to other power conferences first. And for UNLV's perspective, that obviously hurts them a lot because if for whatever reason, you know, Houston, TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, if for whatever reason any of those schools decided, well, we want to go to the Pac-12, then UNLV gets bumped even further down that list of options or potential options to go to a power conference. So if you're UNLV, you've got to hope the Pac-12 expand, stays together expands and expands by more than yeah. two. I mean, and so, everyone else is also saying uh, across Twitter and everywhere that this is all, it's all going to be contingent on Notre Dame. Now, I don't know if the Pac-12 has anything to do with Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame would probably go where the ACC or the Big 12, they're already in the ACC in all sports but football. That's been the curious part there. Like, What are they going to do? Yeah, would they pivot and dump their independence and go to the big 10, especially if they're like looking out there saying, Oh, there's going to be like super conferences that join up and we need to be in one of those. Otherwise our dumb little independence isn't going to help us anymore. Um, the big 10 makes the most sense. And yes, if they were to flip and, and put everything in the big 10, then that sort of leads the big 10 to adding at least one more school because then the big 10 has an odd number. And that's when, everybody would be afraid because then you're looking around saying, okay, where are they going? Are they trying to poach an ACC school? Are they going after another big 12 school? Or are they saying, yeah, we'll go get Oregon right. as well. And that could be the answer there. And then the PAC 12 loses its three biggest brand names or something like that. And now does that conference exist anymore? I'll say this to answer our first question. Five years from now, UNLV is still in the mountain West. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is All with them in the Mountain West, themselves. but they're still in the Mountain West. It might be some San Jose State, New Mexico what, what State, kind of mountain, Utah what, State. What kind of Mountain West will that be? Right. Or it could be a better Mountain West. If the Pac-12 falls apart, it could be, a hey, Washington State and Arizona State are in it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they're they're st- I, I think win. five years from now, they're still in the Mountain West. I'm just not exactly sure who's with them in the Mountain West. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because, oh, are Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook going to get traded for each other? It feels like that's done without being done. Or, mm. or it's just like, it makes too much sense, too, because, because Kyrie is 30 now. He's still, you know, smack dab in the prime of his career. But what better place for him to go to, in theory, than LeBron James where he can, you know, refocus on basketball, if you will. You're listening to The Press Box Summer Edition. NBA offseasons never seem to disappoint. Chris Haynes reported over the weekend that Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook could be traded for each other as the Lakers and Nets were discussing a deal that involved those two players. Um, the Nets apparently want to dump yeah. Joe Harris's salary <laughs> sure they on do. the Lakers. Uh, Joe Harris is owed... Uh, $36.8 million over the next two seasons. The Lakers reportedly want Seth Curry instead. Uh, he's only got one year left at $8.5 million. <laughs> okay, so what what Kyrie are the Lakers getting? Because if they're getting the nut job, uh, you got it, Jared? 
No, I was just going to say that goes without saying. Okay, <laughs> like they get, you get that the nut true. job no matter what. That's true. Um, I think they're a better team with Kyrie. I think they're more of a title contender with Kyrie. But you know, can is Kyrie going to come in and do what he did in Brooklyn and just be a, a, a you know a nuisance and and not make it to where they're as good as they could be if he just was the player, Kyrie? I love the idea of two teams having this massive problem on their roster and thinking, you know what? We'll trade it for somebody else's massive problem, and we'll be perfectly fine with their problem instead of our problem. Like, this isn't going to work out for either team. Like, I don't know. I guess maybe the Nets getting Westbrook is better than getting nobody for Kyrie Irving. But, like, you're not going to be anything when you have Russell Westbrook as your top two or three player. I mean, can you imagine Westbrook and Ben Simmons playing together? Well, how do you defend that? You just put five guys in the paint. Yeah, who's shooting? Oh, okay, nobody. Is this this has to be more though that the Nets want rid of him to take on Westbrook? I can't believe they overly want Westbrook. Are are they that done with Kyrie that they're like we'll take on Russell Westbrook? I believe so. And like from a not from a basketball standpoint, but from a hey, who do we just like want around us right. on a daily basis? You're taking Russell Westbrook way before you take Kyrie yes. Irving. So it might be that simple for the Nets. Just, yep, we're tired of this guy. We don't care what it means. We're tired of this guy. And if they end up trading Kevin Durant, they're not exactly contending for a title next year anyway. So does it really matter if you have Kyrie or Russell Westbrook? Neither one of those guys are going to be the reason you win a title if there's no Kevin Durant. On the Lakers side, okay, here's the fascinating part of this. Kyrie Irving got out of playing with LeBron James and the reports were that he didn't like sort of being in LeBron's shadow, that he wanted more credit. that He wanted to be the guy. If he were to get traded to the Lakers and all of a sudden Kyrie Irving is back to being like, Oh, he plays 70 plus basketball games a year. And Oh, he's not too crazy when he talks out loud. Like all of a sudden, are we look around saying, yeah, he has to play with LeBron James or he's completely useless. Uh, that's a <sighs> completely useless, useless. I'm not so sure because he like, uh, 30 years old, uh, still in the, still in his prime, still an incredible player. I think, um, uh, in terms of winning titles and that maybe completely useless, but I don't know if completely useless is pretty strong. He played 19 games last year and they got swept. In well, the first pl- last like, year, I mean, last year's it, a, yeah, he, he was, he was crazy. Is, is he, is he done I mean, being that? Is that over? I don't know. Maybe if he goes to the Lakers and you got and you got LeBron and AD and they're winning a lot, maybe it is over a little. Now again, he's going to be he could be in the shadow of two guys in the Lakers if AD yeah. ever stays healthy. Yeah, and we we have this same conversation about the Clippers that we're about to have with the Lakers. If you are getting those three guys playing postseason games, they're one of the top two or three title contenders in the NBA, if not number one when you have LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving. And it's it's just like the Clippers. If the Clippers have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and we'll throw John Wall John in there. Wall. If, if those three guys are all playing significant minutes in a postseason, they're a title contender. Yeah. But for both L.A. teams, you look around and say, all right, how confident are we that Anthony Davis is going to be healthy in the postseason? How confident are we that what will LeBron be 38, 39 next season? that he'll be healthy in the postseason. How confident are we that Kyrie Irving's going to be there for whatever reason in the postseason? And when you have a big question mark on all three of your big three, 
normally that means you're not going to have all three of your big three right. ready to go in the postseason. Well, but if they AD's are, AD's going to fall down. Well, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> he's gonna, like he's going to fall down at some point because he can't run without falling down. Like the key there is what? All right, Anthony Davis, you're going to play about ten regular season games. We're going to space those out and then be ready to go yeah. for the postseason. I mean, he's he's going to get hurt. That's an automatic. He just he just can't stay healthy. I I don't know if the he, Kyrie would ruin the team. I think it's more apt of what you're saying is who's healthy and who's not. Um, I don't know if would LeBron allow him to run the to ruin the team more so than KD. I think LeBron's more of a, a forceful force of nature than KD is when it comes to the stuff you're talking about. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think we've we've seen Kevin Durant to go uh, the intangible route. Like Kevin Durant leadership role hasn't yeah, worked out. No, very it well. hasn't worked out at all. So like LeBron James leadership role, you can criticize him being a a general manager as a player. That's that's fine. But like J.R. Smith has like three or four productive seasons in his career they were all with lebron james mm-hmm. like it Le- jr smith on a playoff team with lebron is like oh yeah you want that guy that guy's really good jr smith in any other setting i don't think you want jr smith on your team you might want him as a golfer but not on your team but that is what you want with lebron james so i there's no doubt about it from that whole leadership, leadership tangible situation that's not even close right lebron has been significantly better than Kevin Durant has been in his career because Kevin Durant hasn't uh, remotely accomplished anything as leader. I mean, he wanted to leave Golden State because he wasn't getting enough credit, and the team he went to, the super team he built, imploded, and now he already wants out of that team. So, yeah, I I would be curious if the Lakers actually got Kyrie Irving to play basketball, where they would end up ranking in terms of like NBA title odds. Like, are they number well, one? Well, you just said it. They could be number one if everyone's healthy. It's they could it's be. fascinating because they, I, like, you look around and say, yeah, they, they probably should be. Like, we've seen LeBron and AD win a title, like, two years ago, and now Kyrie's there. Like, I, it'd be fascinating to see if they got that, but it also, I would bet on it ending poorly before I'd bet on it ending That well would be the favorite at the, the books. Right. So, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But the NBA offseason, always fun. Coming up next... David Roth joins the show. We're on one. I lost count. Dishwasher watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of Stitcher premium. David, how is the dishwasher? Does it work yet? No, nothing new, no progress. I was out of town. Uh, the one thing I can say, I do think this is the month it's going to happen, though, because we finally, uh, I can get people into the building. For two weeks, we couldn't because there was literally just nobody around who was authorized to let contractors in. But my dad, uh, my parents have latched onto the uh, the dishwasher thing as, like, they're very concerned about it, which is funny because, like, I could tell them, like, so have my friends on the radio in Las Vegas, and I guess also my wife. I stopped worrying about it. But they, my dad signed me up for Angie's List. Do you know what that is? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, so, and he signed me up, like, not knowing necessarily anything more about this than, I think mean, you know more about what the situation is than he does, for sure. <laughs> and so he was, I just, like, had lunch with him, and he was like, oh, you got you to get that fixed. And I was like, yeah, I know, man. Like, it's, I get, like, these guys break my balls about it on the radio every week. Like, I know that it's bad. 
it's just been very hard with the building. And so he was like, all right, I'm, I'm, he had to take action into his own hands in the way that only a 78-year-old man who's afraid of the Internet could do. And so he signed me up, and I started getting emails from contractors wanting to bid on this repair, which was nice. But also, like, they didn't really know what it was. They were just kind of like, I want to give you a quote. Like, what's the deal with your hot tub? Like, how can I, what do I, what is it going to take for me to get into your apartment and fix whatever is wrong today? And so that happened while I was on vacation last week, was just fielding emails from strangers who were very eager to make repairs that were not actually the ones that I Wait, so you can sign up and say, I've got something broken, and they start bidding on it? You can sign other people up and have that start happening. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start signing people up. Is like, if oh. I signed myself up, that would have been smart. If my dad did it during like an idle moment during like the commercial breaks in Chris Hayes' show, that's less good. And <laughs> oh. that, that is what happened. You could really mess with people in that sense. I might start signing people up. Yeah, it's like that's like a very it's like one step up from like prank calling like elementary school style about like <laughs> is your refrigerator running? Signing other people up for mailing lists is very like 2003, you know, like you just start getting like highlights magazine at home and you know it's a prank that a buddy is playing on you. That's what my dad did to me but with uh contract all the great intentions. So we're not going to make it to a full year is what you're telling me. I have all faith we're not going to make it to a full year. Like, first of all, like, I got like eight guys that want to fix some version of this problem now. So that's good. That's better than when I was trying to get the three people that the building recommends to call me back. Uh, but yeah, also, I'm, I'm a little sick of it at this point, honestly. Like, it's just kind of, it's been going on long enough. Not, uh, I think the bit maybe is going a little stale. Uh, that's mostly my main concern is that I feel like it it's is, taking yeah. valuable time away from our sports talk. The wow. fact that I've lived in an apartment with a non-functioning dishwasher for like eight months now. I'll say this. Uh, your wife must be a saint because what's that? M- oh, your yeah, wife must yeah. be a saint that she's put up with this. Well, I mean, she doesn't have to do all the dishes. I do a lot of dishes. But, yes, there's – I mean, <laughs> she and I have, this, have the same sort of tendency towards like just like letting stuff continue to happen, which is for her, it's because she's like very busy and has like a pretty high-powered job. And for me, it's because like – I don't know, like, uh, there's always some sort of, like, fantasy baseball waiver move to make that seems more interesting than calling a contractor. Like, I don't have anywhere near the excuse that she does. Like, she's going to be on phone calls all day. Like, basically after this, I could nap for six hours and no one at my work would know. All right, here's an important sports question for you. Will Jacob deGrom pitch against non-single-A guys this season? I feel like... For the sake of all single-A batters, I really hope he does. Did you see any of the, the footage of him just absolutely humiliating those guys? Yes, and it, he did this last year, right? Yeah. It was okay. apparently like it was the sort of thing where they, they talked to people. He pitched a, he's a rehab stint at um, Brooklyn, so in Coney Island. Uh, and it was like people went, like they sold out really fast. And they talked to the people that he faced after the game, and I think it, there was something really like heartening about it because obviously they're all they all want to play in the majors. Not all of them, most of them are not going to. But like the experience of getting owned to hell by a real big leaguer, like clearly they were like, "Look, if I don't get to play in the majors, at least like Jacob Degrom threw four pitches to me. I didn't see any of them, and then I was out." <laughs> <laughs> which, which seems like if you have to like you know move the bar down a little bit for yourself, like yeah, getting getting owned by a real big leaguer. Uh, Scherzer's pitching today, and DeGrom was, like, sitting 99 in his, like, I don't want to, you know, start 
uh, having my mouth write checks that his body can't cash. But, like, it looks like I think they're not rushing either of them, which is a very new trait for the Mets. Like, I haven't seen that before. So my guess is if DeGrom comes back after the All-Star break, I just hope that he is healthy. But I think that that's probably what's going to happen. Scherzer apparently is, is fine now. Like, this is, like, made a mostly normal recovery from a pretty tricky injury for pitchers. And, you know, again, I've watched him Mets long enough to know that, like, he, you know, his torso could go flying off at the Great American Ballpark tonight, and I'd be like, oh, that's the second time I've seen that happen. Like, but in this case, like, it feels like they, they more or less handled it right. So, so he's my gonna, hopes up. DeGrom's going to pitch for the Mets before he opts out. Yes. Now, whether he chooses, to, I think he will probably, all these guys do, you know, and they're all competitive with each other. So if they have to pay him $2 more per season than Max Scherzer, then, like, there's that. My hope for him is just that basically, and for the whole team, is, like, if DeGrom's got to go someplace and make more money, like, or if he has to take more of Steve Cohen's money, like, neither of those is really my problem. I just want him and Scherzer in the rotation in September healthy pitching well. Because, like, I, you can see this last, like, couple of weeks, you can kind of see, like, the limits of how good the Mets are. Like, they are good, you know. They're not, I don't think they're as good as the Dodgers. And then when they played the Astros, like, they're for sure not as good as the Astros. The Astros are just, there's not any holes in that lineup. The pitching is extremely good all the way through. And so to see the Mets, like, kind of banking wins against the, you know, Phillies and the Marlins and now the Reds, like, it's not, you know, those are real baseball teams too, but you're just going to beat them two times out of three if you're good. They're not at that level yet. And I think that, like, you know, with Scherzer and DeGrom, they're closer to the Yankees and the Astros than they are now. So, you know, that'll be nice. Who loses a Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook trade? So I was so, I mean, obviously I was happy to have the time off. Like, I needed some time away. I was aware enough of the news when I was in Maine that I considered texting Jared and being like, this is such a good Kyrie Irving week. Like, just call me. I'll talk to you for 15 minutes. Like, from my in-laws, please. <laughs> like, those the two rooms of it. Like, I would have, you know, my wife would have been, like, looking at me while I paced around. That was such a good Kyrie week. Uh, Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook is the most, de- I think, probably the most depressing trade imaginable under the current framework. There used to be deals where, like, a guy would have an expiring contract and, like, Keith Van Horn would get traded four years after he retired, you know, just because, like, somebody stretched provisioned him, and that was, like, how that was playing out. In this case, the, the thing that I keep coming back to with that deal is that Westbrook at this point is, like, a lose button for teams, and that's really, like, just not a very dignified end to his career. Like, if you consider that, you know, if the Nets are going to trade Durant and Kyrie, then, like, they're beginning a sort of a rebuild and they'll probably have a bunch of picks and they'll have some cap space, obviously, because we'd be moving $80 million in those two trades. But like the idea that like, if you really want to guarantee lottery status, you just bring in Russell Westbrook and give him 30 touches a game. Like that's not the way that a hall of fame career should end. And yet I don't think that there's any other way that that goes. Like Kyrie can still play. I, I don't, I think the Lakers have, like that, I can't imagine a more cursed vibe than like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kyrie Irving, and then nobody else on that roster, like Lonnie Walker and Stanley Johnson or whatever. But yeah, the the Nets bringing in Russell Westbrook so that they can win twenty two games in front of like a crowd 
you know, in the high hundreds is really dark to me. Be some great shooters with him and Ben Simmons. Oh my God! I mean, it's incredible. I, first of all, I think that Westbrook would hate Simmons with a purity that, like, like only like Kendrick Perkins has been able to manage it, and that that's because he's on TV. Like Westbrook is the opposite of Simmons, like in the sense that like every time he's not shooting, he's like a little upset. But man, that two very intense, very uncanny guys who probably have never lost at that volume before. I guess Westbrook lost a bunch early in his uh, career, but yeah, that um, that's a, a very weird locker room for sure. And Simmons at this point, like in kind of a funny way. I mean, I'm assuming that they are going to find a way to make a Durant deal work. Like, this is sort of Ben Simmons' team now, which seems like the absolute worst thing for him. Like, the whole idea there is if these guys are afraid to shoot, like, make him the third option and a sort of a defensive stopper on a team with two big scorers on it. And now it's like, no, it's you and T.J. Warren and, like, the <laughs> husk of Russell Westbrook. Have fun with that. All right, before we let you go, where does Kevin Durant play basketball next year? So this is something I actually wanted to ask you guys about because – so. You saw the the Hall and the Gobert trade. Yeah, yes. I don't know that you can really get that much more than that from a team short of like getting the deed to the arena or whatever. I don't know where he could go. Like, obviously, there's there's situations, you know, like like Phoenix makes sense if he wants to go to like a team that's close to the finals and has really good players on it. But when you consider how much the Wolves gave up to get a guy who is you know, the best one-dimensional player in the sport, but a pretty obviously one-dimensional player. Like, what does the last three good years of Kevin Durant's career, like, what does that add up to? Is it just like a a Herschel Walker haul of, like, a decade of first-round picks or whatever? Like, it feels like the same way that I remember reading someplace that, like, the Knicks are fundamentally worth so much in terms of the valuation of the team that they basically couldn't be sold to any person. That they would have to be sold, you know, like, because it's... No individual has the kind of wealth. Like, it would have to be, like, Elon cashes in all his stock to buy the Knicks, you know? And so with Durant, it seems like kind of a similar deal. Like, they, So what team has five first-round picks, two, you know, young star-type players that could be traded for him, and then, you know, like, additional consideration? Like, Phoenix sort of has that, but, like, it took five years to build that roster. Like they really just want to cash all that in for three years of Durant. Is that like, I can almost see them saying no. Uh, the Toronto Raptors are the team that I've seen mentioned a bunch because they have a bunch of the young players that they could like Pascal Siakam. They could potentially put OG Ananobi. They could potentially be enough to make the Nets say, yep, that and three first round picks is what we're going to do. Yeah. that actually makes sense. Cause they have a lot of, they have a lot of guys that are roughly as good as each other. That was part of the fun of watching them in the playoffs was that they would just run these hockey shifts of six nine guys, just like <laughs> they're all kind of the same dude, but they would just you know they had fifteen of them and they could all sort of play. I, that makes sense. I do feel like I don't is uh, Toronto on Durant's list because like Durant still has this like where he wants to go in terms of like Miami or Phoenix or whatever places that have established stars, which is like. You know, I'll let the people that care about that debate whether that means something good or bad about Durant. It just seems like, you know, you can't do that deal with Miami and, like, like Ananobi and Siakam are, like, a level or two above, like, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson plus picks, you know, like, which is, it seems like more or less what Miami's in a position to offer. 
Uh, just so you know, reading the comments on this athletic story about the Raptors trading for him, the top two are too expensive. Trade for Miles Turner instead. <laughs> Love it. This is like <laughs> certainly the. I mean, there's no way not to sound silly with that, but the idea of being like, we got a perfectly good Kevin Durant at home, and then you get home and it's Miles Turner. Like that's <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like you got to do better than that. He's David Roth from Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Have a good one. See you later. So there's David Roth on the NBA, his dishwasher, and Jacob DeGrom may be uh, pitching again. Can you Coming believe... up next, though, we'll I, jump. I was just oh, saying, can ahead. you believe how much you could screw with people by signing them up for that app? Oh, are you excited for that? Oh, Angie's List? It's, oh. I'm, I'm checking it out after the show and who I can mess with. Adam Hill's going to have people calling to yes. fix his televisions that's a good, here That's a, a good decision right there. That's who I'm going after. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NFL. And what exactly are the Eagles going to give Jalen Hurts? Look on his works, ye mighty and despair, for he has surpassed the kings of Egypt. And the rock on which he stands is not a rock. It is the United States of America with 63 Nathan's famous hot dogs and buns for his 15th championship, Joey Chestnut! Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, coming up later in the show, we got tickets to give away to the Summer League. Also, tickets to go see the Black Keys, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, Also, fun report in the NFL about Jalen Hurts, this one from Elliot Shore Parks, who said the Eagles are likely going to give Jalen Hurts a massive quarterback contract next offseason, 35 to $40 million plus per year, and that would be a good thing for the franchise. Um, are you giving Jalen Hurts $40 million this or next offseason? As a Cowboy fan, absolutely. Pay him. <laughs> Pay him as much as he wants. Come on, keep him in the division. Yes. I okay. Here's the part about this report that I don't understand. How how are we like lining that up right now? Like, doesn't doesn't Jalen Hurts' next contract basically come down to how well he and the Eagles perform this year? Yeah, again, and I hope he's the same quarterback. It it should come down to how he performs, <laughs> absolutely. But like they they have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown as their wide receivers. The offensive line was good last year, projected to be good this year. He's a very good running quarterback. The Eagles were one of the better rushing teams in the entire NFL. Like, I feel like it's maybe a little too simplistic, but it's literally just about this year. If Jalen Hurts is really good and the Eagles win the division, win a playoff game or something like that, Jalen Hurts is getting forty-plus million dollars a year, but if the Eagles suck for whatever reason, and Jalen Hurts isn't that good, they're probably moving on from Jalen Hurts, and he's not getting. Some I mean, this report is obviously year. guessing he's going to be terrific. Right. That's that's what I'm I'm looking I mean, at here because the other part of this is if Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray can't get paid yet, how yeah. the hell is Jalen Hurts going to get paid first? It's. How could he? It's amazing. I mean, if and Lamar Jackson, we've talked about Lamar Jackson. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is playing a game with Baltimore or not in terms of how much he really wants to be there. Um, he hasn't pushed it like others, right? He hasn't pushed it like Kyle Murray and others. Uh, Kyler Murray and no. others. Well, I mean, he, well, I mean, not that we've seen anyways. No, not, a, not outwardly like those other guys have. But you're right. How can you 
I, and again, this is just a report, so I'm not I'm not sure where um, Elliot Shore got this. Uh, maybe he got it from inside, but you can't say that Jalen Hurts is going to get forty million dollars without seeing what he does this year. He's getting what one point six this year, uh, completing sixty two percent of his passes for like seven yards of completion, and you're already saying he's getting forty million dollars next year. That that sounds kind of crazy. I mean. The, the upside of Jalen Hurts this season is extremely high. Like the well, it's got to be, given, be, isn't it, given what he's done already? In, in terms of it has to be higher than what he's done. Yeah, yeah, and so like he like the Eagles could be good, and he could have a monster season. The Eagles' offense could be terrific this year. And if that's the case, Jalen Hurts is getting paid. But we've also seen Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. He's not one of the top 10 guys in the NFL. And there's a very real chance that Jalen Hurts is the reason this offense isn't as good as it should right. be. There's a real chance Jalen Hurts is the reason they don't win the division or make the postseason or something like that. In which case, there's zero chance the Eagles even sign him to a, a, a $20 million contract. They're going to go find somebody else to play quarterback for that team because they their offense outside of Hurts, they expect to win now. I mean, their offense is really good outside of the quarterback or maybe and the quarterback this year. So I don't know. I'd pay him.